We have arrived. We yep. have arrived. Your samples from now. Kirk Cousins had a good year. Quavo gets cooking. It's been a while. Uh, I don't think we've uh, don't think we've gotten on on the pod since since the tourney in March, but we had to come back for for the new fresh college football season. Ton of new faces, new places, coaches, quarterbacks, the carousel. New conferences, realignment, obviously the biggest news I think so far outside of the transfer portal the last couple months. Just wanted to touch on realignment. Beachler said earlier um, off off the pod about its prevalence not really hitting for a couple years here. So don't want to spend too much time, but I do think there are some things we want to get out there. For me personally... I think regionality and geography really make sports the special thing that brings so many of us together. The best stories, best rivalries, best games, best tournaments, so much of it is regionally bound, geographically bound. I mean, you think about your favorite teams, uh, your favorite rivalries, your favorite players. You know, there's nothing better than getting a local kid, going to his local school, playing for his local pro team. And those things have a big trickle down to fan bases, especially fan bases that might not be competing for national championships every year. And I think that's a big part in this. I'd say the three of us, we happen to be fans of teams that compete for national championships. So for us, it doesn't hit as close to home bringing in schools from you know 2,000 miles away into a certain conference but if, you, if your team's in the MAC if your team's in the Big Ten West uh, if you're you know an Indiana a Rutgers a Nebraska uh, some of these things hurt you know Pitt West Virginia those kind of rivalries that are just going to start fleeting like a fart in the wind when we're making these super conferences there's going to be I think there's going to be big trickle down with fan bases kind of tuning out. Not to say that, you know, change can't be good here and new rivalries won't come, but I just I think a lot of the the thing that makes college football so great are those, you know, border rivalries, those interstate rivalries, and I think those are kind of going by the wayside now, which makes me pretty sad. Uh, I wanted to hear what you guys had to say about it as well. Yeah, I think you really kind of summed it up there pretty well. Um, and again, it's not going to really take effect uh, until next year. But I think it's interesting how I know we're in the college football mood here in the zone here. And, you know, we got five days until kickoff for Notre Dame Navy. And the excitement is brewing. But, you know, what about these other athletics, you know, that maybe don't kind of bring in the money that football does, that doesn't have the, you know, pretty religious schedule of playing every Saturday? Uh, you know, where you have a lot of downtime in between that. Uh, you have time to be able to get acclimated to a three-hour time zone change. Uh, I think where you're really going to start to see the effects are on, you know, volleyball teams and, you know, men's swimming, women's swimming. Like, you know, are, they're going to then be gone. And I, and then the argument you hear is, well, they're just going to play, you know, the teams on the West Coast, like Michigan will. Okay, so what, they're out of the classroom now for a week, 10 days on this, what, world tour to play Arizona ASU and and then or for I guess in the Big Ten's case they'd play 
Oregon, Washington, UCLA, USC. Like what? We just go over there. They're out of school for that long. I think it's very detrimental. I think it was a very rash decision made. Um, because honestly, like what you're looking at with the Big Ten too is like now the Pac-12 only has like Oregon State, Washington State, and like Utah. I think there's a couple other teams too, but it is down to like absolutely nothing now. Why not just acquire the whole Pac-12 and just make it a, a West and a pretty much Midwest Big Ten conference? Like, I mean, that's honestly it. I, you know, it's I think it's stupid in certain instances, but that's honestly what it's, you know, maybe you get a couple teams from the Big Ten West joining over there, but at the end of the day, it's pretty much equivalent to just adding a couple contenders that we've seen in recent years out of the Big Ten West to the to the Pac-12 and getting rid of the bottom of the Pac-12. Um, it'll be fun for college football, especially, like we said, it's going to take hold next year uh, where we're going to get this 12-team playoff format. So that'll all be interesting. You know, a, a year ago having this discussion with the 12-team playoff format, we were arguing, oh, the Power Five, they're each going to have someone who's going to get a bit in. That probably isn't the case anymore, you know, with the Pac-12 not getting one. Now it's just going to be, probably one and two from each conference. So it's definitely an exciting time in college football. I think you're going to get to see a lot of games like where we've seen out of Oregon and uh, Ohio State recently. Like they had a couple of two good games uh, in recent memory in a home and home series. Those are fun. Uh, UCLA, Michigan, you know, Michigan, USC, a couple of these games are going to be awesome. But let's think about other sports here. That's all I'm going to say. So are you telling me that you're not looking forward to this UCF-Arizona game that we're going to be getting uh, next year? Yeah, Pac-12 after dark is extinct now. It's going to be pretty cool being able to watch, like, Wisconsin versus, you know, UCLA at, like, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I mean, you're going to get Big Ten football that late? I'll take it. Just, like, who who was clamoring for these, like, all these random teams to join these like it, it. I don't know. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I especially for college football. That's a sport that you got one game a week and there's only twelve games. It's a set. It's a very tradition based sport where you have these like you're looking forward to these games all year. You're like, oh, we got this team week eight. You know what I mean? You point out on the schedule like these games and all that. Whereas for these new conferences like. College basketball, I feel like it could be just a completely different story where you're playing double, triple the amount of games, you know what I mean? Or even all those other sports where there's more, I don't know, time to build rivalries or things like that. But the ramifications for college football, it's these games aren't going to matter to these people for years to come, you know, unless it it stays set for a while. Like how, how do you build hatred against another team when – you don't give a shit about it. Also, when you're you miles know? away. I mean, I think that's what connects a lot of these rivalries, like especially in college basketball. You see Duke, North Carolina. They're like, what, 30, 50 miles away? And they're very close. So, I mean, that's, you know, UCLA, USC, they're kind of close by each other. Like, it's these close proximity rivalries that really start to take form and, you know, cause these rivalries. Uh, I Yeah, it's just, it's different. I think it'll be fun for college football next year, uh, kind of looking at it in the future. But uh, there's some definite winners and losers here. I think some winners are some of the mid, mid-major mid conference people uh, looking to make a jump up. Like Houston's had a good team in recent memory. Uh, like obviously Cincinnati and UCF have. So those are some pros. Yeah, those are some, those are some cool takeaways. I think maybe Tulane got in the mix somehow. But 
Utah's Utah's playing a better schedule now. Um, there's some definite winners. Uh, there's some clear cut losers, and then there's just some head scratchers. I think out of it, so it'll be interesting. But I'm glad we got one more year of real ge- geographical football being played. Yeah, I I think a lot of the non diehard fans lose a lot in this this situation where maybe it is UCLA USC is the only game you know you really get up for, or maybe. You know, this budding USC-Utah rivalry, which actually hasn't been much of a rivalry because Utah's been taking them to the cleaners. But I feel like there are a lot of fans or perhaps kids that go to those schools at the time that might not be the biggest college football fans or college basketball fans. But when a certain team is coming to town, you know, that's the one you get up for and that's the one you get juiced for. And a lot of those games are going to be going by the wayside now. Like you said, yeah. Beach, also with the other sports, you know, it's one thing to hop on the team bus or the team plane to go from Lansing to Madison, maybe miss a day in the classroom, but it's another thing to, you know, pile up, pile up the fencing team to go 2,800 miles to the, to the Pacific Coast, take a week out of the classroom, get acclimated to a three-hour time difference, and have to do your tournament. Your family can't come. You know, that's another thing is for those other sports, many more kids stay home, you know, to their state school for for yeah. other sports. I feel like outside of football and uh, basketball, those are the sports where kids will go all over the country to play. But these other sports, you know, you'll go to your state school. You're go, you'll go to Indiana. You'll go to yeah, Michigan. It's important to have people you love and care about watch you. Right. So if you're from, you know, Gary, Indiana, and your kid is on the rowing team at Michigan, you know, you pile, pile the fam in the car and go up, uh, go up to Michigan every weekend, then you can make the trip to virtually all the, all the Big Ten schools in a, in a non, you know, non-taxing car ride except, you know, Rutgers, Maryland, but you can go to those, you can go to the tournaments in Wisconsin and in Champaign, in Lafayette. You can go to those, but you know, maybe maybe your parents aren't gonna pay for the plane ticket to go watch you in uh, in not, L.A. Honestly. You know, so I think that I think it hits it hits those other sports really hard. Obviously, the the money that's in college football, it, it's making things tougher for uh, for the little guys in a lot of ways, which is which is often the case in in a lot of these in, in in every space with a lot of money being poured into it. It's usually the little guy getting fucked and. Um, yeah, it it's tough to see. I feel for I feel for the people that'll you know that are losing in this situation. We're not, I'd say, the people that are, but there's definitely some. Um, and we could go on about this all day, but I wanted to jump right into week week zero, week one. Week zero coming up. We're here in the third. Yeah, they have interesting schedule. We're getting a lot of weekday games, which I like to kind of break break the seal on the season Thursday night Friday Saturday Sunday and um, we'll jump right in I'd say the number one game on this opening week game? I think it, I think it's easily the Utah Florida ma- uh, rematch from last year okay. um, 100% the way Utah finished finished last season there's a lot of what-ifs I think around that Florida game. I think they, the way their season ended, 
still in, I think they finished 10, but I think there's a lot of what ifs circulating around that locker room after you finish that season. What if we, do, what if we hold on and, and beat Florida week one? Where are we? Yeah. Are we competing for, for a playoff spot? Cause then we go and we beat USC who was, you know, the, the team everyone wanted to be great and they were very good, but they were, the entire nation was clamoring over a, a pack uh pack 12 competitor because we hadn't seen one in a while but i think utah looking back it's like if we win that florida game you know are we sitting are we sitting in the uh top four playing playing for a shot at the national championship it's, it's entirely possible so this one is going to mean a lot to the utes and i know it's going to mean a lot to florida to take them down two years in a row so that i think in terms of just depth, talent, and having seen a great game from them last year, I think is easily the best game on the on the slate opening week. I'm going to say a different game for the same exact reason, that being LSU-Florida State. I am very excited for the anticipation. Yes, we're also going to see two people that, you know, a lot of people are believing, two quarterbacks that a lot of people are believing could be sitting in New York at the end of the season and and Jaden Davis and Jordan Travis. So I think it's going to be an enticing matchup. I personally like Florida State in this one. I really do. I think Florida State is going to be a very good, very, very good team out of the ACC this year. I think LSU has a lot of hype. Like even if you look at them like down the stretch, like they lost to Texas A&M and they lost to like they lost to Georgia, obviously in the SEC championship, but the game before that they lost to Texas A&M. Like we get lost in this that they beat Bam on. That was a great win to win the uh, SEC West, but I don't necessarily think that they're like this great team that's gonna you know be. I mean they're preseason rank five. I'm kind of like let's pump the brakes a little bit. I don't know how you guys are feeling about the Tigers. Yeah, I think LSU is gonna be good. It's I mean. Brian Kelly's got another year of, of his guys you always hear in college football of getting your guys in. Um, it's always interesting, and I do credit LSU and Florida for scheduling these games. Like, I w- like seeing the SEC play some of these other conference teams because, I mean, the thing you see with these SEC teams is just how damn big they are, like in the trench and stuff. So when you're playing a Florida State or a Utah, it's like, is their is there trench going to hold up? Because, like, if if you do think so, I mean, then just hammer you like Utah is Cam Rising, clearly the better quarterback, the best one of the best quarterbacks in the country. They got good skill, they got everything, but you the spread's only a touchdown, you know. So it's like you know one team that should be better, and I I think LSU is better than Florida State, but that's matchup. I mean, what is it a field goal or something? It's very very intriguing. Both are going to be close, I think. The those line is two and two, a half. Yeah, two and a half. I think th- those are definitely the two best games on the slate. I Another intriguing one, though, South Carolina, North Carolina. I mean, North Carolina is a lot of hype behind Drake May. He's getting – he kind of reminds me of Justin Herbert, almost his draft hype, kind of under-the-radar type of kid. Team's good but not great. And then uh, what's his face? I like West Rattler Virginia – South Carolina, West Virginia, a, Penn State. That's, that's at the same yeah, time. West West Virginia doesn't. I don't think they have much this year. Honestly, that, that that'll be a showcase game for Penn State. If Penn State kills them, 
then you know Penn State. You know what I mean? Like if they, if they, I don't know what to make out of them. I agree. I just don't know what to make of Penn State this year. I mean, it's tough when you're playing in the Big Ten East. Like, I don't think they're better than Michigan. I don't think they're better than Ohio State. But could they? They absolutely could win one of those games. I think Drew Aller is a great quarterback. I just think they're very. They're an intriguing team going into the season. I kind of want to see something out of them before I really start to buy anything they're selling, but they got a good lineup. Penn, Penn State feels that way a lot. You know, they're, they're normally playing the third fiddle in the Big Ten. Um, they usually sit just with Wisconsin right under Michigan and Ohio State, but they always put together a very, very talented team. But Mart, I did want to I did want to mention to your point. I give I give a lot of credit to LSU and Florida State for this game as well because I was looking at a lot of the schedules, SEC schedules, and it is not giving credence to the idea and the ideas of past about these SEC teams running gauntlets throughout throughout their season. There are so many cupcake schedules this year. Our yeah. Power Five squads. Georgia has one ranked preseason rank game georgia who i don't know that it's going to make that much of a difference whether they have one or they have four because whatever game they go into they're going to be the favorite with almost complete certainty but and a, a similar thing with notre dame i think they have taken it upon themselves over the last few years it's like okay everyone needs to shut the fuck up about our whole cupcake schedule thing, which which comes in the with the territory of being an independent, it's like okay, what do you do? Let's go out schedule home and home with Clemson, home and home with Ohio State, you know, and just start getting these games on the schedule that you know are going to be big time games. So then it puts you in, a, and it, it is a win, win, win because you look, you look like a competitor and you look like a you know a predator going in and being like, yeah, let's go home and home with Ohio State, a team that will be competing for a national championship. And you also put yourself in a position to be able to lose a game and get in the college football playoff by scheduling teams that are, you know, year in and year out competing for for national championships. There's not a lot of teams this year that have taken that approach. The The more home and homes we schedule, the better our experiences as fans like we want to see these matchups and and it's been so interesting with the LSU and Florida State I think are pretty similar I mean Norvell has impressed the hell out of me I think he's one of the best young coaches in the country like where Florida State was a couple years ago to now getting the hype they're getting they were in shambles he comes in he 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 has made um he has made that team into a, a contender and we'll learn a lot but he has he has turned the perception of that program around so fast to where they're sitting preseason top ten, and and Travis he's made him into a Heisman candidate, and that was all yeah. under under his regime under his tutelage, and you know I'm not a huge Florida State guy but you know I respect I respect the hell out of him and the program that he's built and they've they've been doing it in all facets of the transfer transfer portal recruiting, and it's like. Yeah, let's see what we got right away. Let's see what kind of team we have week one, and then we'll go from there. Let's not, you know, beat around the bush and go piss on Tennessee State and then go piss on UConn, and then, you know, then we'll, 
you know, try to, f we'll have to wait till October to see what kind of squad we have. Let's, let's see right away, right, at, right from the giddy up before even September hits. Yeah, I'm excited, dude. I think that's going to be one of the best games of the year. Um, I, I think Florida State's going to win. I do. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, the one handicap that you got to put into the game is, dude, LSU is Brian Kelly. You, Brian Kelly is a guy who knows Florida State inside and out. I feel like more than any of the, the amount of times I feel like he coached against – Notre Dame was playing Florida State like damn near every year it felt like. And then now – he goes to the SEC and just instantly gets Florida State twice in his first two years. You know what I mean? Yeah, so this is a guy. Point. He's been he's been there, done that a lot of times with this team. He's had losses. He's had big wins. So you, I, I do agree that Norvell's done a good job, but I feel like you have to give LSU the coaching advantage, right? Like, I mean, Brian Kelly is one of the big fishes in college football. I have to admit, even though he's. It's a huge he game for him. Really it's a huge game games. for him. He, he doesn't really do the whole big game thing. That's kind of <laughs> they beat, they this beat is a big game. Last year. They, they did. They did. They did. They said that. That was an awesome win. Uh, and they were at home against a reeling Bama team, and they, and they won. They absolutely did. He gets a ballsy calls, too, so I'll give it to him. But I don't know about this. I mean, this is kind of what he does, right? He loses the big game. So, um, and he lost last year by one. That game was crazy. He also has a, a history of. He also, I, he has a history of uh, coming out of the gate strong with his squads. He's definitely been a coach that's that's teams get stronger throughout the year. But he's he threw up some ducks early on in the season for in Notre Dame seasons of past. So at. And I think this might be a good segue into kind of the coaching carousel and, and coaches that, that need to kind of like a contract year for a lot of coaches. There's coaches in their first year in new places, coaches in their second year. Brian Kelly, in his second year, he had some very, very interesting storylines surrounding him last year. LSU did, which kind of went by the wayside, which was interesting. That whole under the rug. That's that's how it works. At yeah, like the the on campus trains that were being ran on on professors and coaches being involved, and and that kind of just the yeah, true detective what, what, fucking storyline. Yeah. Dude, people just forgot about it. I don't know, but uh, Brian Kelly will always be someone that doesn't appeal to the fan bases doesn't mean he's not a great coach there's a lot of coaches like that but lsu program like that no matter who you get in there is going to have a short leash and if you're not getting the results you need whether or not you've been put in a position to win if you don't win you're gonna have to fall on the sword so week one a rematch of a game that was an unbelievable game last year that you came out on the you know interesting ending to say the least but this is a if they lose this one it's immediately going to be kelly what what is kelly the guy is kelly the right guy immediately after week one yeah it, well it was like that last year after one game <laughs> he, he had one game they lost by a point and they're like oh i don't know about this brian kelly guy. i don't know <laughs> yeah he was able to he was able to you know kind of bring himself back to some some credit 
the way they the way they went down the stretch and winning some big games. Obviously, beating Alabama is is one of the best things you can do, and you can give your fan base a gift. You can give your fan base at LSU because of that history and that rivalry. But for some reason, and I, you know, Notre Dame is like oh the one of the top five coaching job in in college sports. But it's like, well, he didn't get, you know, us to too many national championships. He got us to one, and he was there, what, 12 years? So I think LSU will have a much shorter leash with him depending on these early results. We gave him some time. I mean, he was out there losing to Central Michigan early on in his tenure. And it's like, you know, a lot of places you're gone right away. Another, Another guy I wanted to talk about, Big Ten guy, one of the most popular young coach that has made his mark in recent years, going to a program that has kind of leveled out and not been where they want to be, is Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. Yeah, he's got so a big year. He, he's got Ohio State coming to Madison. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't have it teed up any better to to at least put up like you know like have a have a fun game. Uh, you got the fun crowd. You're going against probably, you know, what seems to be every year gets touted as the best team in the Big Ten. I haven't agreed with that over the last two years. But, um, you know, you're coming to Madison, and you get a chance to actually try and knock out a big a big contender, not only in the Big Ten but nationally, uh, and your former school. Uh, so I think that is very interesting, that, that the way that worked out. But um, at the end of the day, what's the theme of this conversation? Talking about giving people time. Uh, you know, you just said Brian Kelly's on a short leash here, but he wasn't really at Notre Dame. Uh, I think with a guy like this, you definitely, you know, he could make an impact hitting the ground running here, but more so than not, it's probably going to be like an eight and four season uh, with some great building blocks for next year. I think that's what you'll see out of Luke Fickle this year and the Wisconsin Badgers. Yeah, I think he's a phenomenal coach. I I think that was a complete slam dunk hire for Wisconsin like I I didn't think they had the pull honestly they they had they've had some decent teams in the past but Luke Fickle was probably the number one head coach on the market I don't even know if you could say market but and you're able to bring him to Wisconsin like that I don't think anybody saw that coming it's like and it's a guy who preaches their philosophies too, just like hard-nosed football always gonna beat the shit out of you defensively and play <laughs> And that he's also going to a place with a mediocre quarterback history. So, if if he can establish his principles and then start worrying about the the things that Wisconsin typically hasn't had in the past, like a quarterback or wide receivers, I mean, that's stuff you get later. Look at what he did at Cincinnati. He was able. I mean, you're able to get Desmond Ritter then, or you're able to get uh, the guy whoever who's on the Colts, Pierce. Yeah, Alec Pierce. But that that's like. That's how you build these college football teams. You establish what you want to do, and it, if it works, and Fickle obviously proves that his philosophies work, then you can start building a, a winning culture. They're another team that has a pretty cupcake schedule outside of Ohio State this year, and there that was a win total I actually wanted to get into. Yeah, um, but my, yeah, my he's a tremendous coach. Favorite week one. He's Wisconsin. phenomenal coach, and I, I do think it's fair to call it like the market, um, just the way uh, head coaches are treated in college, and and now the way I mean 
players are treated on the market. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see if the if they take this new regime, the fickle regime, and they decide to to make kind of a new um, identity for Wisconsin football. The the ground and pound, run it forty five times a game mentality has not been too fruitful for them over the last couple years. And while Fickle, I think, lives those principles and the hard nose uh, kind of mentality, I do think he's more of a spread you out kind of guy. And it'll be interesting to see like a spread Wisconsin team. Yeah. Because they're. I think so it, with a smart smash mouth defense, too. Sure, sure. But so. like the. You, you, can't, you can't bring in a new guy. In a in a huge name, which is a huge win for the program, and just try what hasn't worked in your conference for, I mean, what, what, going on ten years for Wisconsin, maybe maybe not ten years, but um, it'll just it'll be interesting to see a new brand of football in Madison because they're one of the, I think one of the last teams to really stay true to that kind of offense, especially power five so he that will be an interesting uh storyline anywhere he went was going to be a big storyline for him but the other guy we talked about kelly is going to be marcus freeman he got the quarterback
Samples from Kirk Cousins had a good year. Quavo gets cooking.